you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. <laughs> Good morning, Alan. How are you, sir? Good morning, Stephen. Doing fine. Thank you. Let's see. Big news is you went to a very cool convention in Chicago, I Absolutely. believe. Absolutely. The Supernatural Conference. And for me, it was a little weird because I'm used to the crypto zoology and you know cryptid conferences that I've always gone to with Colin. This was similar to that, but also different. Honestly, I'm not sure if a whole weekend is needed unless you're definitely getting autographs and pictures because those lines are long and take a while. It's, so it was more about the people than the, was there, was there programming? Were there things about, hey, here's the themes of the shows and that kind of stuff? Yeah, okay. very little. Programming mostly consisted a couple actors or one of the actors on stage answering Q&A. That was really okay. the biggest programming. And the vendors, there was only like a dozen vendors. They were all vetted. So it wasn't a lot of junk and garbage. It was all approved licensed supernatural vendors with some good quality stuff which you got a fandom with good quality stuff take your credit cards <laughs> you know how that right. goes <laughs> yeah see but I, I don't mind there being not a dozen but a hundred and maybe supernatural by itself is not as big as any comic-con any science fiction right. convention Worldcon is amazing with how much stuff is available anyway it's, yeah okay. yeah it was a, a good time. We did not want to pay for the autographs and signatures. It was like $300 just to get an autograph with Jensen or Jared, a single. That bothers me. You know what I mean? I know that this is a big thing now that there's a lot of celebrity love and there's a lot of actor. People can make a whole career out of attending these conventions long yes. after the show is gone. <laughs> and yet $300. You know That's, what I mean? You're like a teenager. You're a young right. adult. and, oh. and <laughs> So it's funny you mentioned the whole career. The guy that played Chuck and the guy that God and the guy that played Gabriel did a parody comedy uh, series called Kings of Con about them going around to conventions. And some of the other <laughs> actors were in it, making fun of okay. themselves, making fun of conventions and all that. But the yeah. funniest thing was Alan Tudyk did the same thing like a year earlier and Nathan Fillion was in that a little bit, making making fun okay. of himself on the convention. But there was probably 4,000 people there, 3,500, I would say, pretty okay. packed at the Donald Stevenson in Chicago. Everything was pretty well attended and lots of good stuff. But they had an auction. And I, yes, I agree. I've talked to some celebrities and that without having to pay $300. So to say, Hey, let me pay $300 just to get a photo standing next to you that yes, you'll I'm never remember. That I was in your orbit. See, that's yeah. kind of me is that whole idea of that somehow you're somebody because you got to stand next to somebody for a minute. What honestly, I, I don't, I get nothing out of that. Yeah. They, they the won't remember it. But I get to like when some photo bombs me or there's anything going on like that. I, I, 
when we're in nature, I hardly ever take a selfie. I take a picture of, look at these incredible mountains and right. forests. Uh, here I am in them. Mm. I just don't have whatever that thing is about proving that I was there or the ego, the narcissism yeah. that goes with it. I yes. see so little of that. I will say this about the supernatural. They call it a family. They say it's a family that they really feel the actors and the fans are a family. And they, the whole 15 years, they really were responsive to the fans and listening to the fans. And so they built that fan. So people feel like it's family. So it's almost easier to spend the money. But I will also say the actors give everybody a couple moments. I've been to a few where it's, Snap, thank you. Snap. Right. We were going through looking at some of these pictures and they weren't just somebody uh, standing there. They Each picture was something unique with that. The, the person cool. said, I'd like us to do this. And the actors yeah. goofed around and did it, making faces yeah. or whatever. Like the one lady p- tweeted that Castiel was the angel and he lost his grace and he got it back. There was a vendor that was selling a little charm that like had glowy stuff in it. And they said it was cast. Yeah. So in the picture, Castiel is sitting there like he's uh, getting the grace back. Uh, I said, oh, you need to Photoshop that and put glowing stuff in between. The crazy thing was, and this is, you and I both, oh, this is really good art. I I will buy it. Oh, a great book. I'll give it a try. That type of thing. They had vinyl banners printed out with just like a screen grab, high quality pictures some promotional pictures of the actors and stuff printed out on the banner and they had an auction, the auctions for charity. And, you know, they had, but people like the Jensen Jared one, it went for $1,600 for a vinyl banner of a picture of them, you know, put that up in their rec room, in their garage. That's it's a cool. Yeah. I know. I'll admit the one with the Impala was, I'm like, oh, but it went for like 1200. So (laughs) Okay. I just, that's like, man, you know, I've bought cars that cost less than that. That's another thing that always clicks over to me is, so that's 1600 bucks. What would I do with $1,600 instead of that one thing? I could have how many books, how many CDs, yeah. could, you know, all the video I, you know, collection. I could give the collection to all of my friends. Right. I mean? If, if it was like an actual model used in a, a Star Wars movie that I was bidding for at auction, I, I might think about that. But just a banner of a picture, honestly, if I could get the picture, I could print out the damn banner for a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm not, we don't have much art in the house, but what I have, like, it's not originals. It's usually prints or lithographs or something. And maybe there's like a lithograph is one out of a hundred, one out of a thousand, whatever it might be. There's still something weird. I'm a comic book collector and there's hardly anything unique about comics, except Old ones have had most of the copies, the 100,000 copies that were produced. They've been destroyed. They were used up in paper drives during the war, whatever else it might be. So scarcity matters. And I I guess maybe that's what they're still counting on, is that even in this world of digits and NFTs going for $1,600 and non-fungible tokens, the new fake, unique things. Yeah. It's still that people really like to be able to say, I'm the only one that has a copy of this, or I'm the only one from this convention. The next convention, they have another one and someone sold oh, it. That's and not even true. These are the same picture banners they've used for multiple conventions. They they have multiple. Okay. So it's not unique. Okay. <laughs> so then what you get out of it is the story. You yeah. know what I mean? You get, hey, I, I bid it up. If that's something that Colleen has often said, what kind of artwork do we want in our house? 
something that if I looked out the window every day, I'd love to see it. So when we see people that have ugly art up because it's a distinguished artist or, I don't know, of course, everybody's taste varies. Not everybody's idea of beautiful is the same. And yet I, I don't want something that's so, it's the wrong colors. It's disquieting. It's actively ugly, but it's Andy Warhol or something like that. You know I mean? My guess is if you looked at that print, every time you looked at it, you smiled and you felt good. That's not that bad, I yeah. guess, for $1,600. Yeah, a there was weird. a couple kids <laughs> in the same row that were bidding, and they were excited. They were, like, super excited, and they were one of them that bid, like, 1500 on one of these banners, and these kids are, like, 20 years old, and yeah. I'm like, holy crap, and the girl goes, yeah, I just paid down my credit card, so I guess I'm going to have to pay these off now, and the tickets oh. for the convention for general admission were, like, $330, so it's not a cheap convention. Right, the right. hotel was like 200 a night. <clears throat> so it, okay. it was some serious coinage being dropped here. Yeah. The best part of the weekend was the concert Saturday night. That was what I was looking forward to the most. The guy that played God, Richard Benedict, he's the lead the singer and the rhythm guitar in the band. It, I, it was so good. I had such a fun time. They are a classic sounding garage rock band just guitars and bass and drums so it was i had a great time the the music's a little tongue-in-cheek lyrics and fun and stuff is it rock songs is it filk songs about the show if you will is it kansas recreations because they sure used a bunch of good kansas in yes, the show. yes. You know, were they talented enough to do a kansas song you it, know what i mean it's it a, is mostly originals the band started before the show, but now they've become the Supernatural House Band. Okay. And That's they cool. do have a few <clears throat> songs with lyrics that are coincide with conventions or like the one because they say when they're going around, they stay in an Airbnb and they always do rock, paper, scissors to see who gets the worst room. And the lead guy got in this like dungeon room, no windows, no lights in a dark basement, you know? And so he wrote a song about it. It's that right. type of thing. But again, yeah. it's all grungy guitar rock, which I love. The cool thing is during the show's run, they worked with and convinced several of the actors to sing with them. These actors are not singers. They never thought they would, but they come on stage and they have their one song they sing. And it's usually a cover. So yeah. there are covers. And I, I heard that it wasn't just actors going, oh, I want to sing a song. It really was the band saying, we'd love to have you. Let's work with you. And they helped almost train the actors to do that. Very cool. You can look it up online. There's a lot of videos from conventions people have. Okay. I was hoping Jensen Ackles, Dean, would get on stage and sing, but he did not. A lot of the other actors did. But it okay. was still a great concert. Had a great, wonderful time. So. That sounds good. I've been surprised. So first, that's very cool. What's the name of the band again, please? It Loudon Swain, which okay. the I guess the name is taken from the lead character from the Vision Quest movie, the old okay. Vision Quest movie. And I think the last name of the lead guitarist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> it's time for digressions. I One of the ways that, so Colleen and I had any number of conversations in just general Mensa company before we really fell for each other and got together but one of the things 
that Colleen said was where she was amused by me and really wanted to like get to know me better was because I made a reference to that movie where it was like, so how did you decide what to do with your career? I had a vision quest and the coyote spoke to me and told me, and she just was so amused by that. She didn't know the vision quest reference. She just, that I threw this into casual conversation, if you will, and like straight facedly, not even. So that's a very interesting movie with him versus not the Hulk. What's the, uh, the big wrestler's name? The Anyway, and let's see, Elizabeth Monstrantonio, I think. Is that who, well, I don't remember. It's been a... that's, that's, yeah, because, and she was like, I remember thinking wow when you're young you find everybody kind of pretty interesting beautiful and so forth and she was one of the first ones that really had me like mouth open <laughs> like wow <laughs> so anyway it but back to this so that's i have loved going to conventions and oftentimes i don't expect there to be great music i think it's going to be like when i go to a, a pinball convention they'll have video game music pinball music and so forth but some of them they have really captured video game music, which is really composed well and energetic. It's, yeah. it's a big part of the game. And then to hear that in a stage thing where they can actually stretch out a little bit and make it into a jam, it's much better than I expected. I'm always like, well, I'll just sit here and sit my Sody Pop. And say, oh, these guys are really jamming. And the, and the keyboardist, always the synthesis, has to really know what's going on in order to be able to capture but do variations on those things. Yeah. And it, it's often been much better where I like want to you know, call somebody on the phone and say, listen to this. I, I want somebody else to hear this besides me to prove this was really good. <laughs> anyway, right. Yeah. Okay. And I did go to a, a restaurant that was supposedly haunted. We even asked, so is, is there spirits around? And the waitress goes, yes. And anywhere they don't show up very often, but every now and then, and, and she was flat out and a couple different places around town. So, do you know anybody in the mob? Um, went, <laughs> and everybody's like, no. They, they were all like, no. But then went to the Green Mill Room, which was a small little jazz club uh, that Capone used to frequent, and asked the bartender, anybody in the mob? And he looked at me straight face and goes, the mob doesn't exist any longer. Well, okay, that's the most, okay, we got you there. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. So, that was fun. La Cota Nostra, you don't speak of it. You know, right, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I used to call Mensa this smart thing of ours in direct relation to this thing of ours, which is what you don't talk about. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. For all the traffic and God, it, two in the morning on a Sunday and there's still backed up traffic i'm like how chicago the hell do people megalopolis man exactly. yeah yep. but i will say chicago drivers are fairly courteous they let people in and when they get in front of you they move they don't block it they don't try and cut and push too much people are coming up to stopways and letting people out and stuff i'm like wow yeah. in in you know northeast ohio people pull right in front of you look over you and flip you off so right. I, I will say courteous drivers for the most part <laughs> i think chicago driving is far worse by reputation than in reality i grew up in chicago and then right. grew, grew up driving in chicago so i don't really have that characteristic of chicago i think it really is sometimes when it's really crowded dense difficult people actually they don't get worse they get better they know that everybody's in the same crap and like why not get somebody to smile instead of to be growling on the way into work? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because they'll yep. be able to turn the favor someday. There's a lot of paying it forward or whatever like that. Yep. You know? Yep. Okay. So uh, all right. in all, a good time. 
Any revelations yeah. from the Q and A's? Anything that you didn't know about the show or the stars? Nah, Nothing stuck. Didn't sit in on all of those because uh, some people did have some really good questions. I, I will give them that. They know that the show's been on for 15 years with 10 years of conventions and a dozen conventions a year in different cities. And I talked to people that, oh yeah, this is my third one in the last year. And it's holy crap. But they actually um, follow it around. That's interesting. Kind yeah, of like a dead-ish. Like know, a deadhead like, groupie. That's what I thought. Right. Um, but the people were asking some interesting questions. Something a little offbeat. If you were a pasta, what pasta would you be? That was, it was good. It was fun. It was nice. I got to see Castiel. He was really, and, and Chuck and Gabriel didn't see Sam and Dean. I did get a, a cool Winchester flannel with the protection sigil on it. I got a little matchbox of the Impala and then I got a slightly bigger model of the Impala. <laughs> okay. uh, a couple years ago, I got Colin a really nice 64th scale Impala. They didn't Very have cool. one of those there, but it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I, I got some temporary tattoos of the sigil. So I can put those <laughs> on sometime. I, I play around with that. <laughs> exactly. Did, did, did they have a, a class in Enochian or anything like that? That, so that would have be been great. Uh, it would have been great. They did have Richard did a directing and filming class. They had a music and photography class. They had a jewelry making class. And oh, man, some of the the jewelry and charms and stuff, all supernatural based, but they were handmade, limited, one of a kind type things. Yeah, kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, they looked really nice. There were some really nice. I don't, I don't wear, I wear a watch. That's as much as I got. I don't have earrings, I don't have necklaces. But this is a crazy thing. So the convention was 300 bucks, which I've never spent that much on a convention. You know, the like, you know, usually there are a hundred or something like or that. Or less. Yeah. yeah or the, less, exactly. the, the hotel was fairly pricey, even with the discount. Nice hotel though. <laughs> I'm walking around, looking around. I'm like, I, I look like a gomer pile. Gosh, it's lovely here. Exactly. This so, lobby is like a spaceship. You yeah, know? Like, the merchandise was not outrageous, was not <laughs> crazy. Hoodies, Thick flannel, soft hoodies with the some whatever on them, forty bucks. I could get the same price at Walmart. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, I was very impressed that the prices weren't outrageous for any of it. Okay. The jewelry was twenty five bucks, forty dollars. But I've gone to cryptic conventions where it's a rock with a wire wrapped around it and a leather strap. Oh yeah, that'll be seventy five bucks. Seventy five bucks? Did your kid yeah. make it? So well, you said everything was vetted, meaning authorized, but they must not be like what it what drives the price up. It seems is the licensing. Right. They somebody gets a cut out of everything that's supernatural approved. Right. These were mostly independent vendors, and they were able to do well. It's themed by, but it's not a direct ripoff of. Here's the staff that they held in the one show. Something that could be licensed. Okay. Yeah. And like the the little model car I got, mm. that was only twenty five bucks. Honestly, I would have expected double that. Okay. So good for yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, good time, fun, loved it. So were any of the directors or writers there? Was Kripke there? Was Orky and Kurtzman? I'm I'm trying to think of because so much, obviously, the tone of the show is not only the portrayals of the characters, it's the mythos. It's the, right. the writing of the show that created this. So. I would have loved that if they had done a class or a, a special event with the writers or something, I would have paid and gotten in on that. But yeah. they did not. I did say that for the auction, I gave the creation entertainment a suggestion. I'm like, look, you have all these banners and stuff. And you could also, they were auctioning off special 
sessions with Jensen and Jared and autographs and pictures that it was a little more meet and greet and they were auctioning those off and stuff. Okay. I'm like, wh- I would, the, the one thing I would bid on at the auction is like during the band's warm up to sit in for a song with the band, not during the concert necessarily, but just okay. jam with the band during warm up yeah. or, yeah. or sound check. I'd bid on that. I don't know if there's too many others interested in it, mm-hmm. but I, I would pay some money just to sit in with the band and jam a little bit. That, that'd be sweet. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's, so any talk about the spinoff, the new shows that are coming up that are pre-supernatural, tangential, et cetera, et cetera? Though, like I said, I didn't go to the talk that Jared and Jensen were at just because it was like at four o'clock on Sunday. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get back till midnight. And yeah. I got to work. So I, I that's just, interesting that they would have programming that late. Usually they cut it off at noonish or two-ish. It doesn't yeah, go late on the Sunday. It was okay. all days, all day Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's cool. Okay. Um, yeah. I think they might have done it because obviously everybody there would go see Jared and Jensen. But if it's late Sunday, you got people like me that are traveling home, flying out, or so it cuts exactly. the. And then they, they're not there for three hours with Q&A. <laughs> but, but we didn't see a lot of Jensen. I think they even changed some of his times. He just, the boys season three just came out and he's in that and he's working on the Winchester prequel. So right. he's a busy man at the moment. And Jared's on Walker and he just was in a car accident a couple of weeks ago. So it was a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The fact that he was there. Watch the boys and did see he's playing Soldier Boy, as I recall, right? You know, was it good? Yeah. Yes. The boys is another one of those things that I refuse to really binge it. I really want to watch like one a day. Well, I want to watch one a week, but I can't. It's really good. But I don't want to just be. Oh my God! I I was waiting for so long, and now it's gone. You know, in a day, I can't do that. So what I've seen of him as Soldier Boy is really good. So it's. a parody a little bit of captain america and maybe a, a, we'll have we, the boys does variations on every single thing so the heroes are never quite as heroic as you expect or they're more heroic than you expect but they all have human failings and foibles right. and that makes things interesting you know yeah, what I mean? I give people superhuman abilities and have them be a little crazy and not expect weird <laughs> things to happen right <laughs> so uh, yeah. I've got to watch The Boys season three. I've got to watch Stranger Things part one season four. Obi-Wan is still coming out. And we got She-Hulk coming soon and everything. It's amazing. There's so much good stuff coming down the pike. You know what I mean? I'm trying not to be Mr. Eight Hours a Day of Television. I just won't do that. And yet then you're having to be selective and say, okay, what do I most need to watch? And everything not everything that I like does Colleen necessarily like anything at the time it veers too much to guns and explosions movies, then it's not her cup of tea. So we, we're still working our way through castle. We're still, we are watching any number of good new comedy specials are out. Like Bill Maher has one, Bill Burr has one, Ricky Gervais has one. There's like, they seem to come in spates like that, where a good comedian working at the height of his powers, really our favorite thing, our favorite nice. night out. We just went to see a guy named uh, Harry um, Kondabolu, who we knew nothing of going in, but we've learned to trust that hilarity is our local comedy club. The booker, the owner, they really have good comedy taste. A lot of the new people that we've never heard of, we just learned to trust them and see, let's see what this is about. And I went out as usual, face hurting, sides hurting, because I left straight for an hour and 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's nice. Good, so. Yeah, it's so hard because now all these great shows are coming out and it's summer. And that I go camping. I, yeah. I go do all sorts of fun events that are out and about. And then exactly. I got so much yard work and 
stuff I'm still working on here to clean things up that it's TV isn't the thing for me to sit down when the sun's shining. And it's that's right. That's usually I do it. I watch it like maybe we watch a little bit when we're eating dinner together. And then most of the time I'll be, okay, that's enough TV for me today. And I'll break away and go do other things. And sometimes maybe like at 11 o'clock at night, between 11 and one, I'll do my, I'm going to go surf to see where we're going on our next vacation. I'll always do something on the computer while watching two shows or a movie from 11 to one or something like that. But that's otherwise when I fit things in, maybe three to four hours, if that, and on weekends, we just, we still, we don't sit down until the evening. Some people, they take Saturday as being, well, I'm going to start at nine. And if I could wear astronaut pants, I wouldn't have to get up. They and, really are like binge committed, and we just don't do that. We're yeah, still neither do I. And, and even in the still hollow, you know what I mean. So even in the summer on the weekends, I'll get up and I'll read uh, while drinking some coffee for an hour, hour mm-hmm. and a half instead of turning on a TV show first thing. I sit and read, and you know, this last year or two with uh, all the work and everything, I haven't gotten to read half as much as I've wa- been wanting to. And then I'll pick up, like, I'm still trying to work my way through Foundation, Asimov. That is not something that I can just sit and zoom through. That's a, a slower read for me. I got to digest there's, there's more to it. Exactly. Yeah. It's not just a little throwaway. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> Other big news, it's WDC time again. Exactly. Worldwide Developer Convention from Apple is going on this week. And and I love it. You know what I mean? One of the, the Apple is a force for good in so many ways. I know that some of its business practices, there's all kinds of objections to Apple, but in the overall, man, it's bringing so many good things into the world. It's enabling so many good behaviors. It's so much about everybody gets like for $500 to $1,000, you have an amazing miracle machine in your hand, the iPhone, or for the laptops and the Mac minis and whatever else it might be. And they continually just make incredible breakthroughs as to it keeps getting faster, better, better displays, neural engines, security enclaves, so that it really is as much security as you can give to help the individual fight off against the depredations of the punks from the uh, Eastern European and that kind of stuff. It's like uh, the $6 million man. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But like the fact that they have the people they come out to do, this is a, a wonderful choreographed performance, but the people that they have do these presentations really know what they're talking about. They're usually the heads of operating systems, the heads of the the graphic displays and stuff like that. So you not only get the information, you get the pride and the enthusiasm and the look what we're bringing into the, the, there's always, there's a new version of the OS coming out for Mac, for uh, the iPad and and your iPhone, for your Mac TV, all that kind of stuff. And, And without going into it, like all those features, like, their watch and their the, the integration into your health becomes better and better. They really have it now that they're about to get their method of detecting atrial fibrillation is going to be like FDA approved, that nice. this will actually be considered medically viable and correct for and how it tracks your blood sugar and how it uh, does all like the way it judges your sleep states and helps and helps coach you about here's ways in which you could get better, more restorative sleep, and that uh, how you're doing your workouts, and that it helps you encouraging with, hey, close your rings, get your stand-ups and your exercise and, your, and just your movement going. It, it has helped me a ton, just that little bit. And boy, they sure seem to be hitting the sweet spot of not being nagware, but being 
like encouragement wear. Control over that, what notifications you get and how often and when. So yeah, that's exactly what more people, more products should do, give you the control. That's in fact, some of the big announcements that they made were they've got a thing now where you really can get um, notifications of virtually anything. You know what I mean? Not only of your appointments, but just things that you can say, tell me about this, but you also have all the control over boy, I'm getting more spam email and spam texting and spam phone calls than I ever have before. And they've made it very easy to manage that. So you don't have to hear from too many political operatives, too many people trying to sell you aluminum siding or an extended car warranty or whatever else it might be. And that little bit of time that you take to manage that day to day over the course of time, you create a very personalized stream so that it really is I want to hear when Ticketmaster makes an announcement about various different bands so that I get an early on tickets, but I don't need to hear about every kind of ticket and I don't need to, you know what I mean? They really are getting great about not only you personalize it, but using their artificial intelligence, their neural engine type stuff, they, they are getting, their device gets to know you and then it's predictive about, hey, this thing coming up, you've mentioned before that you like pinball, there's going to be an actual video game thing and maybe it's tangentially related. And I am continually pleased and surprised by the Groupons that I'm getting are less and less generic and more and more, huh, I really might be interested in that. And and just getting away from spam and just mass marketing the, the deluge of crap that you have to deal with every day, it's worth that little bit of an investment to get it getting to know me and making it much more tuned to me. I love that. I really do. Nice. Um, when so- they talk about how they're coding it is fascinating. You know what I mean? That right. so much of this is not, it took geniuses to figure out how to set up the APIs and the capabilities that they have, the frameworks. But then there's all kinds of different apps that are saying about health, about food, about activities, about family. It there's I, I am not so much interested in this, but they are very good about how to have different members of the family have different access to different things so that parents really can help their kids stay in contact, be exposed to the right things, but not things that they're not ready for yet, keep them safe. It's, they're just, they're so good anticipating what the better world should be and then creating the ability to be in that better world. And that's how I vote with my stocks is, what's the world that I want to create? I want there to be better health, better security, better financial things put in the hands of the little people, not just the oligarchs. And Apple is helping to create that world. It might be that it's not the cheapest solution, but you know what? For the value that you get out of it, it is an incredible bargain, what I have going on with my integrated sets of things. And wasn't it last year they came out with, uh, was it the M2? And you were like, oh, I want to get the new one, blah, blah, blah. So is there any big hardware type announcements or is it all just iterations and little things? So actually it was last year was the M1. It was the first Apple Silicon. They moved away from Intel, which they had been in the last 20 years. They made a big change from when they they had a combination of them and Motorola and IBM. Then they did Intel for a long time. And now this is another fascinating topic. As you can do things in emulation where they run in software, the capabilities of older chipsets, older machines. So that's why you can still have the multiple versions of Windows running on a current Windows box because they can say, make me look at like Windows 95 because your app requires that. Or make me look like... Uh, a whole different platform. Mm-hmm. Give me the gaming console. Give me the right. so they have done not only they, they're changing to Apple Silicon, but the transition is seamless in terms of 
all the different vendors can make their apps work directly on Apple Silicon, or they'll go through, what would you call it, kind of a translator that makes it so that all the Intel stuff is appropriately run on Apple Silicon without them having to change a, a word of code, or if they want to tune it, then they can by using various different things that are more directly writing to hardware. So the M1 was last year, and indeed, my Mac Mini is an M1, and it's bigger, better, faster, stronger than anything I've ever had before, graphics-wise, processor speed, memory throughput, etc. Now there's the M2, and indeed, it does improve on the M1 in its, uh, you know, 15% faster overall, 40% faster in graphics. It has new capabilities in its neural engine and, and it's uh, how it handles memory. And especially what they're really good at showing is power efficiency. The amount of capability you get per power is four to five times better than anything Intel has going. You know what I mean? Like wow. at, at its peak, it really is using a fourth of the power or the, how fast it can go is back at 60%. It's 60% it's plus compared to what the best that Intel can do. Wow, so nice. at, at Intel and AMD and that, that there's a whole chipset family nowadays of which are Intel compatibles, if you will. So Wait. it's very cool. <laughs> and for years, like with work, people are saying, hey, I need a new laptop or desktop, mostly laptops. Will this handle what I, what I need to do? Man, for the last 15 years, there isn't a laptop out there. Even Chromebooks can handle almost everything that we do. We do email, we do spreadsheets, we do web surfing and sometimes Zoom meetings and stuff. Everything can handle that. But now with all the AI stuff being built into the tools, you, you do have more processing. But even though some of it gets offloaded to cloud functions, there is a little bit more power needed for some of these big capabilities that are starting to come out. Yeah. And actually, you have to get into processing theory to understand just what cool things and how powerful they are. Now it's not a single core. It's usually eight to 10. So there's a whole bunch of parallelism going on. And the smarts that say it isn't just brute force try things. It's more they learn over the course of time what operations from what apps, apps, big graphic processing apps, the Adobe Photoshop's of the world and stuff like that, they've embraced parallelism so that things that used to take like a rendering farm to do for Disney, now you can do them on your home machine and in 15 minutes instead of let it run overnight. So man, they've really made incredible advances in terms of those things. And again, the fact that the product announcements that they made were both the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro are now gonna be M2 related. And the MacBook Air, it really is, if I remember right, point, it's where you can fit it into a manila envelope. Jeez. You know what I mean? A computer, you can just like, and it has no fans. It runs so efficiently that despite all that power, it's not like holding a waffle iron in your hands. It has no fans. The MacBook Pro wow. is more powerful and does more things. So it does have, and their whole fan systems itself brilliant in terms of they show you the air pattern that they have of going over the face of the motherboard and exiting and stuff and that it's the bet the most efficient way you can do that kind of cooling so that you're like guaranteed that you can't overwhelm what the system is capable of it will not let itself have any kind of heat prostration <laughs> you know what i mean when they and they talk about the AI stuff, like you said, the kinds of things that they're now able to do, here's a fascinating to me, passkey is the next thing they're going to work with. 
instead of passwords, instead of all the problems that people have with passwords of I have too many and I can't remember them all, or I use one everywhere and that creates a security, a huge exposure, or we have exposures at the server level, we're up 500,000 passwords are now in the bad guy's hands. They've done it now where you're going to be able to have biometrics that is usually your the, the touch of a fingertip or your face. And for every single site you'll go to, you'll create a pass key that is on your machine, not going to a server. It's one-time encryption so that it's based on your biometrics and you'll be able to always have security at every website, every application with only biometrics and that quick of not, you don't have to buy a dedicated dongle that you put your finger into that's going to read, et cetera. So you don't have to stare in with your, your retina like you do in the old science fiction <laughs> movies. Then you can steal somebody's eyeball, but I digress. And <laughs> you know what I mean? It's pass keys are going to change the world in terms of how much more secure they're going to make everything based on you can't steal someone's device. You have to steal the person right. and you, and, and all the hassles of passwords are going to be, over the course of time, as people convert to this and start using it, I need to. I have too many passwords or too many repeated passwords. I know I've done a bad thing. And yet right. I am enough all over the web. And I want the convenience of being able to save my some information for all the flights I've been doing, uh, payment information, which especially is a bad exposure. And then no matter how careful you are, oh, my God, Experian has an exposure that's like the heart of your credit rating, one of the three. And then what do you do? Right. You were careful, and then someone still screwed up at a governmental or big company or level, and now I'm going to go change my passwords everywhere? That's a week's worth. It, well, Paskey, it's really because of the speed with which you can do these things. I, I love that. And I know I, I use a password manager. So when I'm on my computer, it pops up, fills things in. It's great. And it gives me passwords. So every time I fill, it's, it's a 16-character random everything I, I have no idea what any of my passwords are which Apple in itself is the same thing yeah. yeah but in itself <laughs> is a bad thing but you got two-factor authentication and you got multiple things so you can recover and i guess that's the best we can do but i love my phone because i've got my fingerprints in there and it most of the apps just connect to that so once i log in the first time i connect my fingerprints and almost everything on my phone i just use fingerprints or my exactly. face now so yeah. I love that. And I can see this passkey stuff. One of the things we just mentioned that cloud computing, AI processing, that they've got the power to do these things. So yeah. I'm sure we're going to see things we haven't even thought of yet. Another thing that's wonderful about not only so passkey, it's a not Apple's. It's a standard they decided between Google, Android, and, and um, multiple other vendors. Nice. So that instead of being, oh, great, standards are great. Everybody gets one. It really is going to be that this will be useful across multiple laptops and phones and tablets and everywhere so that eventually it'll be this huge united wall against the bad guys. You know nice. what I mean? Everybody will be using this technology. They also talked about for home stuff, HomeKit is growing, you know, automated homes, all the benefits you get from having a smart thermostat, smart lighting, a smart security, that kind of stuff, that now there really is, seems to be, they've announced this multiple times before, so I have to see about adoption. But the world continues to say, it's really not a good idea to have five different standards out there. Can we all get together and really work out what we want this to be? Proprietary has some benefit, but it really is um, not the way to go if you're going to try to get widespread adoption. Right. So there's a, a standard now called Matter for HomeKit type stuff where everybody's going to have the same way of talking to your light bulbs and talking to your washing machine and, and all that kind of stuff. So 
I, I love the fact that they are not only trying to do things for their own aggrandizement, but they're really seemingly trying to like, hey, everybody, let's work on this together. And then it'll be in the execution and the sales and the quality of what they produce. It won't be that we start from the start of, nope, you can only use our light bulbs with our proprietary sockets exactly exactly <laughs> so i'm digging they, they i think that's cool because 25 years ago telling microsoft and apple to come up with one th that would have been, been like oh my god why would we ever do that we must have ours and how things have changed in the world and getting google in on it and stuff right i, I love the that. reason that i specifically said what i how i tried to say what i did was that it doesn't seem to be oh great now we've got rolled all the corporations have decided that they're having one standard and now they put a straitjacket on everybody it doesn't seem to be like that they've learned about standards to say here's the low lowest level just like security pro protocol has seven layers you don't have to the reason the internet works as it does is because they've made it so that you can have absolute rock solid likeness at the base levels the first three the physical and digital and so forth and then you can vary without wrecking the standard so that you still can get um, who does a better file transfer system, who writes a better browser, and, and who embraces the standard so fully so that no matter what device of theirs you're on, it'll always work instead of, oh, that's not quite perfect CSS, that's not perfect HTML5, whatever else it might be. So they seem to be finding the combination of the standard will make everything interoperate well enough, but there's still room for competition and variation and betterments as people adopt and some it's funny there one of the phrases that i heard about microsoft let's say 30 years ago was embrace extend and extinguish that they would right. adopt a standard in a way of being able to say yes we're compatible but then they'd start to introduce little incompatibilities and then because they're the big dog the ad hoc leader with 80 percent of the market other things would just fall away because whatever microsoft done became the ad hoc standard even though it wasn't the best. Right. And there was a big war often, especially on the internet, when Microsoft started to get involved in that of how many times they attempted to do things that weren't internet H standard HTTP, standard internet protocols for browsing, for file transfer, for everything. And luckily there really were big enough competitors in terms of what Mozilla became and, and Google and Apple having their own browsers and stuff like that, that they haven't let the standard become manacles the chains that make you only have the one standard and stuff right. like that so we'll see it's our laptops are um aged enough and in fact colleen is currently having i've been spending time troubleshooting boy it looks like her hard drive and that is an ssd drive really has difficulties i had to reboot from a bootable drive that i created on a thumb drive using apple tools and still it can't fix the hard drive there's irrecoverable errors. So now I have to go in with a file recovery tool and get off of it whatever data I can and then try reformatting her machine to see if it can, when it does the reformat, it usually um, routes around right. bad sectors. And I, it's funny, bad sectors is very much a hard drive of a physical hard drive, a real right. physical movement armature type thing. I don't know what the equivalent of that is for SSD. Does it do testing that detects this particular part of memory is now undependable and it'll route around that. So my 512 drive will actually be 488 or something. Right. Like that. But what I want is I want 488. That's all perfectly dependable, not catch as catch can amongst 512. <laughs> and that's suddenly my file is not readable. 
So it's been interesting to see some of the tools I expected to be able to do more, Tech Tool Pro and Drive Genius, as the operating system has changed over the course of time, they were unable to create the eDrive that I needed to be able to do this boot. And so luckily Apple's disk utility allowed me to do it, but then I can't put onto that drive all the tools that I want because it boots for the ability to install system software, not so it can run as a standalone operating system. So then I can't go into Drive Genius or Tech Tool to do other of those things. So I'm in an interesting place now Max for a long time have had the ability to do what they call target disk mode, that you can actually use a USB cable or, or maybe Thunderbolt as well and attach a, a laptop or any Apple device to an existing computer and have it treated just as a hard drive, not as another mach uh, operating cool. machine. And that's what I'm going to have to do now is attach it as a hard drive. Hope I can hard drive salvage utilities are usually brilliant. They really don't have to have an operating directory. They really can from boundaries and their knowledge of exactly what a file looks like and file types and stuff. They can salvage all kinds of stuff off of that. Used to be that's one of the things you had to take to one of the salvage places and pay $100 right. an hour to get what files you off. And right. it really is worth $500 to not lose my files. My time and my love is in right. those things. I can't lose that stuff, but $500. Well, so that, now I might be able to do it myself. Right. And that's <laughs> so, another thing that's changed that makes working with computers really nice for most common people, my phone, my laptop, my desktop, the browsers, a lot of the apps, Xbox, it's all cloud saved and backed up and whatever your profile, your account is out there. So when you, when I get a new desktop and I connect my account, it's like, and all the, the apps come back and the settings. Exactly. Yeah. And my phone, especially. Like yeah. Google yeah. does that with, and the Xbox, I got the new Xbox X and all I did was put in my account and it set up the desktop the same or the home screen the same. It put, I, I all the apps are accessible to, you know, download again. So yeah. it makes life what people just don't realize, man. It be, I learned in the day, don't save stuff to C drive, know how to get the files to reinstall apps. And you had to have a whole setup plan for when That's your right. C drive blew up. And <laughs> now it's, That's, yeah. Yeah. I'm a little bit worried about that. When I really do reformat Colleen's machine, how much will I be able to, it's not just a matter of putting the files back on it. When installers run, they do all kinds of things to put files into various different profile and preference directories in right. your system. So it might be that I have to do a whole bunch of reinstalls. And so we'll see how much that's involved. She runs more leanly than me. She usually does have you know, the Microsoft Office suite and, and browsers and things from work and stuff like that, whereas I have tons. <laughs> I have lots of stuff on my machine that she does not. So I'm hoping because it's less complex. And actually, I have a, a, a tool called Mac Updater that keeps track of what I have on each of my different machines. And I'm counting on that being what would be useful for retemplate this machine like the old machine yeah. with all the guys that I had installed. And hopefully it'll just be hit one button and come back in an hour and it's downloaded tons of stuff. Right. You know, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely a uh, new, newer feature. So it'd be nice to see with the new 5G, with all the cloud computing, if that changes, that you really could, that it's the, all the operating systems. This would be the ideal that you have certain settings and programs and whatever. So I sit down on my computer and log in and I get my settings and my bookmarks or whatever but then if i like came to your apple and i logged in it, it's a profile it's a 
that covers everything, my phone. So they exactly. travel with you. They've got the platform. Yeah. yeah, they've got some of that. Like I've noticed with my phone, I can mm-hmm. actually send messages from my desktop. I And when I copy something on the desktop, if I go to uh, the phone, it shows up that I can paste it down on my phone. So they, they connect exactly. it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the if I look something up on Chrome, I can send it to my desktop. And when I come home, it's then open. So, you know, yeah. those things are coming, but it'd be nice to have this universal profile. Right. It's, I don't have much experience of going from Apple to other platforms, but in Apple, they have a thing called continuity where it really is, no matter what you create, your bookmarks are continually syncing. You could be like watching a TV show on your phone. And then if it detects that you're now in the same place for long enough and there's a better display, it'll say, hey, would you like to watch that on your bigger monitor? It And maybe and you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that it really is smart. You can use uh, a tablet as an extended monitor for your yeah. you know, thing it, it, that it does all that kind of automatically. Right. And I love that self-awareness. And I love that it's, it offers you options instead of forcing it to be a certain way. Whenever something goes funny of like, why did my, why does it think this is my main monitor now? Here's where my menu is. Now it's on the other monitor because I run a multiple monitor thing. It's, I don't think I did anything to initiate that. It's actually shocking to have it not only do it for you, but to do it wrongly. It knows right. this is my main thing. It knows that this is where, no, it doesn't. It makes guesses sometimes still. I, oh, here's a cool thing that I saw. Most laptops have a little built-in camera and the fidelity is good enough to have Zoom sessions. Whereas not every monitor, mine don't, have a little camera on top of them. Big TVs might. So I have a dedicated camera and microphone, but that's how we do our Zoom sessions. And it's got good enough fidelity that I look pretty good and picks up my voice pretty well. They will now have it that there's a little clamp you can get for your iPhone and you put that on top of your monitor. And it is that ongoing uh, FaceTime, Zoom, camera, and sound pickup. That's cool. You won't even have to have a dedicated, that can be your, always your conduit. And and I, I this is amazing it has now the smarts in image processing i've been to a couple things where i'm learning about how to cook especially cook more healthily because i'm fighting diabetes and they usually have here's the lady uh she got a zoom camera looking at her and then she's got another camera positioned above that's showing the the stove on which she's cooking and here's how she's stirring her pasta whatever else it might be your camera your iphone on top of your monitor is going to be able to take it that steep angle down onto your desktop as if it's that overhead camera it will automatically go back and forth between your face and hand movements so that you can have that one device for let me show you what i'm drawing on my tablet let me show you what i'm cooking on my stove like the fact that it it, i'm not trying to think whatever that steep angle is the isomeric projection that it's all wrong at an angle and it's all skewed it's going to correct for that to make it into as if you have an overhead camera. Wow. How cool is this? That, I, that's a feature <laughs> that is totally reflective of the society with people doing YouTube and TikTok videos. And that's something people, average normal people. sharing like yeah, that. Exactly not the that, computer no. geeks. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Like just that. Hey, I, there's a silly Facebook group called My House, Not My Cat about how people get adopted by a cat coming out of their property. And almost always they want to post a little video where, how you doing, buddy? Scritch, 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 and the cat's purring. And, and like, it. this makes it so that pretty soon, we've talked a little bit about this many episodes ago, when they have Apple glasses, Google glasses that actually give you 
augmented reality and you're able to like use these and has a little monitor over here that says that's Mount Whitney over there. And hey, you could find this at a better price because this is too much for green onions. I'm looking forward to having that, not in the intrusive way, but in that continual little add to my knowledge way. Right. And once you have those, then pretty much everywhere you look, you've got a camera, you've got the ability to pick up video and it will have to see how it does it with storage on the device versus always being connected to the cloud. But they're going to work that out nowadays that you've got... This grain of sand has as much storage as as the iliac did under the corn. You know, oh my God! I was amazing. thinking about that over the weekend <laughs> when I was at that Green Mill Jazz Club, I, yeah. and it still looked like something from the twenties. It's the wallpaper and the decoration still had that, and I'm like, how cool would it be to have the glasses? And but you get the overlay, so it does look like it's 1920s club. And That's when right. you look at somebody, they're dressed in the, the old tiny <laughs> and for that place to say, hey, you can rent these glasses for an hour to have that experience. Yeah, I would do that. I'd, I'd be like, heck, yeah. You know, that'd be awesome. I hear you. That's it, it, as you know, nowadays, we still ourselves have to costume up. Segway time. <laughs> <laughs> we we remember last year we had we were uh, going to do clued up. The, yes. Um, overall clue game that takes place in various different cities, but downtown Cleveland, especially there's an Alice in Wonderland adventure that's been put together for 917. I took last year's that we didn't go to because it was Thunderstorm City. They let me trade by, so I know I have it for us. So if you and someone or me, we have, I have six total tickets. So okay. I'm putting together our, our problem solving team, you know, uh, yes. okay. And Colin along, or, or, or we'll try to put together so we have a total of six. I'm probably going to invite, like, Robert and Andrew, if you're watching the podcast, I'll be calling you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Partners in crime that have joined us on all these various different things. And so I'll go dibsing them first, and we'll see who wants to do this. But that, in the past, we've just done it. I wouldn't mind dressing up as the Mad Hatter. As oh, God, the, yes. You know what I mean? The Cheshire Cat. I'll dress as Alice and freak everybody. Right. Colleen would look great in a pinafore. You know what I mean? She... <laughs> so, Colleen would look good in a really cool Mad Hatter setup. Yeah, she, actually, I, she wants to go as the Queen of Hearts. She'll oh, like, yeah. Put his head. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> so we'll see about that. So keep that date. Uh, I'll, I'll send you a little uh, email or invitation or something like that. But 917. I think okay. it's the third Saturday of September. Okay? Perfect. Is, is there a good Jabberwocky costume, maybe? <laughs> Boy, see, you have to be whatever, 10 feet tall, and you yeah. have to go lump. You have to be able to go lump through the... <laughs> you know, our, our dog, Cassie, the boxer, the way, when she was younger, mostly, the way she would run, I'm like, she's not a, a boxer, she's a galump. And exactly. we called her the galump. <laughs> also, burbling, you have to do burbling. I think it burbled as it came. Right. I, I, I memorized that once in college, for some reason, like, talent show or something like that and so one two one two and through and through his vorpal blade went snickersnack honestly i i, I could probably still do it i think i nice. think <laughs> that, that that is such a weird book that's such a weird story yeah i and just that in wizard of oz if you ever read the actual wizard of oz book it's way different than the movie there's a lot right. of similarities but a lot of weird different things yeah, yeah. i this is funny i read recently uh, within the last two years the annotated alice and it's there's a number of people that are incredible scholars of Alice in Wonderland and that Lewis Carroll was actually, he loaded those things with political references and yeah. scientific and, and parodies of various different public figures and that kind of stuff. And it really adds to the story. But after a while, it was exhausting because the annotation was four times as much as the yeah. actual work. 
who the, I don't know, who Tweedledum and Tweedledee are supposed to be. And I wanted to say, boy, I need to go back, get a copy of the regular book and just read it for the enjoyment of the oddness of it, the silliness of it, and not how deep it is. Right. I don't, in some cases, it's okay to step out of the depth and just enjoy something. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So I can imagine Colin's been reading The Sandman again, the graphic okay. novels, but yeah. the uh, Neil Gaiman annotated version, which has notes in the side and you know stuff and he's loving it but he's like, oh my god it's just taking so long for yeah. everything you can tell how much work he put into it how much thought he put into it in combining the various different folklores and something but it's different than just letting you i remember all kinds of revelations of is that who that character is and then saying yes i really picked up on i that is a as you know, an amazingly good series they're yeah. finally bringing it to movies or television i'm now, trying in to september I think it drops right. on Prime, Prime or AMC. And or another one of those series that they had to wait for special effects to really catch up and be able to do what what is going on in the dream world, what Morpheus does, what there's so much stuff and it's got really whimsical and really dark elements to it and stuff. So they're going to have a lot of managed expectations for this because it isn't kids' stories. No. It's really adult and really good but really unsettling in lots of ways too so. i really hope and this is the fear with something like this that they really spend time in detail and they get it good and they have eight episodes which is the first 25 books or whatever right. and you're really into it but not enough people get it and they're like eh, we're gonna cancel it because nobody's watching it and then you're like ah or, oh. or worse that they go we don't know if we're going to get any more. So let's cram as much as we can in there. And then it loses See, something and it's not as enjoyable. Right. So I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a touchy thing. When I see Thor occasionally called him Mr. Shouty because of the Sandman. Yeah. <laughs> because what he portrayed him in Sandman was as just this buffoon, this arrogant muscle bound buffoon. And that's a lot closer to the overly proud <laughs> ass that he is in Norse mythology. Right. Not as much about nobility and beauty he's really a bully mr shouty <laughs> all right so before we go um you were talking about uh the 100 book as opposed to the 1000 book so yes. we talked about that a little bit so what's this one a little more so it's funny i really need to start bringing props here's the book it's by a guy named I show and tell again hart. exactly michael hart and the way in which it differs is it's really his scholarly work, but it's his opinion instead of a committee of five that had done the thousand years, thousand right. people, and that the Olympic style judging kind of rounds correctly so that it's not one person's opinion that pushes someone way up or way down. Everybody has to kind of agree to it. So he has some interesting things because it's only his opinion, even though it's a very learned, good one, that his order is quite different. Who's the most influential person of all time? Muhammad. Because the amount of staying power of his ideas, the size of his empire, the um, codification that he did by having the you know, capturing his sayings into the Quran, and it wasn't written after his death, it was really attributable to him. All kinds of things about not only science and there's, if you will, science and religion almost go lockstep for who is the more influential over the course of time. The a whole bunch of interesting. Jesus Christ, by the way, is number three, because Isaac Newton is number two. And so immediately, well, let's have a fight. But it's not about a fight. It really is that how he talks about it, about how does he judge influence. And I'm not so much caring about the exact order. I'm caring about what a great book this is for 
if I really want to consider myself a learned person, I for sure should know the 100 most influential people of all time. And yet number eight is like the guy who invented paper. Can you name him? I could nope. not. And so it's something There's like, our oh, see, I, and I should, I, there it is. Now, so when like, was it? When, what, give me the era. Like 1100 BC China, wow. if I remember correctly. Wow. And that the reason, like he even outranks Gutenberg, because as you might imagine, movable type doesn't matter if you don't have paper. <laughs> right? and it's previous to paper, and it's the combination that it has of weight and durability and ease of production is so much better than vellum or parchment or anything else that they had done before. When you had to make it out of tanned animal hides, when you had to make it out of bamboo or papyrus, it didn't have the same scrolls at Alexandria. They, it's no wonder that they didn't survive till today or that they burnt or whatever like that. And paper burns, of course. But if, if I remember right, it's a guy like Lao Tse, not Lao Tzu, in China. And was so they, he really, he is very good about saying, I'm going to surprise you with this one because you won't have heard of him. But as far as I can tell, this is the guy that really created the kind of paper that we would say is has enough of the modern characteristics that this was the birth of paper. Wow. And, and so it's fascinating. That's in the timeline game. You ever play that timeline where you put the... Yes, exactly. That, and that in fact, be... that, this book will hopefully give me enough confidence that I can almost be like authoritative in terms of... <laughs> that. that was before, remember? You think that faxes were invented in the 1970s. No, they're around since 1850. They just weren't, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Here's another one that I was surprised by. John, Dal John Dalton is a scientist. Okay. And his big contribution is he wasn't the first one to talk about atoms that everything reduces down to discrete elementary particles that was actually and i don't know how to say it, democritus democritus that they had if philosophically they had that idea of monads and so forth back in greek and um, roman times but he was the first one to be able to say we're going to measure everything very carefully we're going to do chemical reactions we're going to show not only down to elemental atoms but here's the chemical compounds that nitrous oxide is always n2o it's always two nitrogens to one oxygen, and we can prove it because we measured exactly things and then did the reaction or how you break things down. So for all the other scientists I could start naming who did the, like Newton, Pasteur, Leeuwenhoek, first periodic chart for all that kind of stuff, this is a name that I wasn't familiar enough with compared to Faraday and Maxwell, the fathers of electricity and electromagnetism that also revolutionized the world. He just doesn't get enough talk up about he was the guy that created the idea of chemical constancy, that things really weren't, there's no magic, there's no phlogiston. And actually, it's a previous guy that had gotten rest out of the idea of combustion is not a mystical element, phlogiston getting out of things. It actually is oxygen interacting at various different speeds. So like that, I'm, now I'm an insufferable conversationalist because I want to be like, actually, you know how that works. <laughs> and yet it's very cool. I learned a lot of this stuff when I was like in junior high and high school to return to it now and have it recapitulated and have here, this fills in the gaps that I really didn't, I don't know that I got it all back then. And that it's not only about the thing, it's about the who thought of the thing. It's really fascinating. And some guys were like, he had all the time because he was you know wealthy, landed gentry, parents sent him to the best schools and that kind of thing. Others were like born to nothing but were incredibly inventive and creative. And, and they had then sometimes patrons. Like for instance, William Shakespeare, he does a very convincing case that William Shakespeare is actually Edward Lavere. And 
not the guy that most people think of as William Shakespeare from Stratford-on-Avon and so forth, because all kinds of facts about when he worked in London, what how he produced his stuff, the first folio, all that kind of stuff, they don't match biograph biographically correctly with William Shakespeare, the most often attributed one. They much more match this Edward Levere guy and that it was a pseudonym. And he was actually like given money by the queen to just like we have patrons of the arts, the Medicis and, and whoever over the course of time has done that MacArthur grants nowadays. So it was, he spends a lot of time defending his theory that it's this guy but like you have to be who has had more of an input on literature on right. on popular culture than william shakespeare you know what i mean so well, maybe shakespeare was like batman or the dread pirate robert that it changes over time <laughs> and, and they, they did he discusses that that was it actually a series of people who wrote pseudonymically under that and know that it really was he thinks almost all this guy's work the sonnets and the plays and all that kind of stuff but just that there's others where he often says i'm going to combine marx and engels into marx because they really did most of their great work together and marx really was the leader of those two same with orville and wilbur wright they're inseparable you might want to give them two entries if you're really going man by man they were they invented flight together and took turns making the flight so it wasn't like one was the ground guy and one was the air guy it's it's very interesting and i guess uh, idiosyncratic because it's him and him talking about how he combines these things or why he does it or he'll talk about the relative rankings of george washington really is a more important general than napoleon bonaparte or alexander the great because even though his empire wasn't as great the kinds of things he did to bring america into existence and it like that the united states of america has more long-standing impact even in the last 200 years than alexander the great conquering the persian empire it was a big blossom and then it collapsed because he died at 33 i think right 31 or 33 yeah, yeah. immediately his general started carving things up i love that that history lesson of he has all kinds of maps of Again, here's the Mediterranean, and here's how much of it Alexander the Great conquered. Here's how much Tamerlane conquered. Here's how much Napoleon conquered, and how they came That's to their cool. ends. You know what I mean? So I'm loving being reacquainted by it. I'm loving getting the, the relative. Wow, there's more time separating Aristotle from, from Plato from let's let, to get to more modern philosophers than there is between like the dinosaurs. Boy, I, I take all back what I said finding out how early but how brilliant aristotle was is really a cool thing that he contributed in so many different ways to modern realms of thought thousand years before anybody else right. really was able to explain that better than he had you know what i mean the aristotelian school of like how you use logic to come to conclusions that it's not individual facts that you actually reason and you make it that it all hangs together well and that if it doesn't hang together you keep working on it until it does you don't just say oh we must accept the mystery in today's <laughs> world of google medical experts telling you how to live your life we could use aristotle again we need to reincarnate him <laughs> like that you know and I, I don't know for instance they talk i just what an interesting contrast i just saw i'm watching the latest doctor who as well and they had an episode about Tesla and Edison. And they really portray Tesla as this brilliant crusader and Edison as only a businessman and kind of rapacious. But in this book, Edison is rated much higher than Tesla because he really did have 
a thousand patents to his name. And if you know anything about him, he like he didn't just let's do electricity. He was, I made the incandescent light bulb. I made the phonograph. I made the dictation machine. I made, like he had amazingly broad intelligence and the the tinkering that he did and the perfection that he did. He was the first one to do know that you can get in a vacuum current to go from wire to wire without the wires touching. And that's the that that right. the whole uh, vacuum tubes and incandescence. And fluorescence, a lot of things that are absolutely modern society. He was the guy that electrified New York City and showed that you could table electricity and put it in people's homes and not have it be lightning bolts coming down to kites. Right. So it, sometimes it's that the people that were able to take a previous body of work and codify this is how gases work this is how electromagnetism works make it into a series of equations that not only give it explanatory but predictive power that's the, the the heart of the scientific method is that you understand it so well that you can say this is how it should work if we try this next experiment and behold it does or huh it doesn't work exactly what are we missing what are we right. missing There's still something wrong here i it's very heartening about how ideas transfer through society how science transfers, how religion transfers. It's a, I'm only on number 36 and it's fascinating. <laughs> and and so. I love books like that because you can read one or two and stop for the day. It, yeah. I've been trying to do that. Get two, three, four, five in and then say, I don't want to overwhelm myself. I want to let those rest and let them sink in. And then when I go back, say, so do I remember the right things about Washington, about Bonaparte? Right. Napoleon? And et cetera, et cetera. And what an interesting contract there, contrast there that we remember George Washington as Washington, but Napoleon Bonaparte as Napoleon. Why first name versus last name? But anyway. It's usually <laughs> uh, Castle, not Rick. So that's right. Yeah, but how do we choose? You know, and, unique too. There's lots of Georges, but there was only that one Washington or maybe, something. Yeah. Oh, okay. So as usual, a pleasure. Next week, because it is getting close, you brought it up. The AG's coming up. So are you going? Are you talking? So I'm talking about the comic book multiverse. Oh, Screaming nice. from today's comic book headlines. I'm going to talk about Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and the last stuff. And one of the things I wanted to mention was the AG session schedule just came out. And without going into it too much, the reason, the best thing that I love about the annual gathering, and really about any regional gathering, is the programs. That yeah. it's just so cool to go to a place where you get brilliant, passionate people talking about what they want to talk about, kind of like TED Talks. The whole... There are, there's hundreds of different things going on at the AG, and it's about every topic you can imagine. I'm a publicity guy, so I wrote a little thing. Hey, every, every topic under the sun, and we're out in the desert, so that's a lot. It, we have, there's a debate room where they have, they're going to have, hopefully, uh, a gentle, guided discussion about little issues like global warming. Vacuum I don't know trouble. if I want to go to that yeah, room. <laughs> I never go. And I'm very happy that that room exists because to me, that's like the fanatic magnet. And if I stay <laughs> out of there, then I won't have to hear all the crazies about right. their pet issues and stuff like that. And it's not all that. Mentions are brilliant. Lots of people really have good things to say, and I probably should hear them. But it does attract the fanatics. Sometimes, yeah. Next yeah. week, <laughs> we, should, we should talk about the program and the variety and what the topics are, because it's always so yeah. interesting how much things you get. And I don't think a lot of people know and understand that it's not, no, 
we don't just get together and sit and talk about rocket science. That's really That's right. not it. Hey, let's do some cube roots together. Woo-hoo! Yeah, no, oh, not at all. I, I will prep better for next week. The, the incredible depth and breadth of what we got going on there. It's Perfect. Really, yeah, exactly. we'll do that. Okay. All right, man. All right. Have a good okay. week. Take care. By the way, seeing a meatloaf band this weekend in really? Marietta. It, it's the band that meatloaf used on tour, but with a different singer named Caleb Johnson. And to me, that was like, man, if the vocalist can't pull it off. And then I watched a couple of videos and he really can. Nice. So that's energetic down. She has a client in Marietta and we, that gave us the excuse to say, if you're going to be in Marietta, I could come with <laughs> meatloaf music. So. With gas prices, you got to combine all of this. Well, <laughs> It was almost $6 a gallon. I'm like, oh my God. I didn't, re- man, we're still at four and change here. California is over six every time I go out there. Yeah. I fill up my dad's car for $80. Yeah. It's yep. terrible. It was horrible. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right, man. Later. Take care, Stephen. All right. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.